0: everybody today we have Melanie Melanie's story involves moving to a new country which is so exotic to me I've always wanted to move to another country and my husband's just not quite on board yet so a friend was um, having supper with us and she told me about her friend Melanie and said you should talk to her she completely changed her life around and moved to Canada and it sounded so interesting that I sent her an email and she agreed to be on the podcast so welcome Melanie I hope. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about your story. So walk me through how you made the decision to move to a new country. Sure. Um,
1: hmm, I think that there was a lot going on at a particular time in my life a few years ago that just really wasn't working anymore. So, to kind of go back to, you know, maybe more of the beginning, um, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And um, I went to college on the East Coast. And uh, from a pretty young age, as a teenager, I would say, I knew that I wanted to be a therapist. Mm. And like many therapists, that is because I was exposed to some of the challenges in my own family and some therapists that, um, interestingly, as a young person, I didn't think were very effective, so. (laughs) (laughs)
0: That's hilarious. Um, But,
1: um, you know, I thought um, that, uh, that people being heard and seen and being in service was something that I was really drawn to. So I never really, I only ever really wanted to do things that, you know, I mean, this is different for everyone, but that like mattered, that made an impact that I always, even as a child, um, was really, you know, the champion of sort of the marginalized, the downtrodden, the picked on. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: And I never really felt like I belonged where I grew up. Yeah. Um, so when I graduated from college, um, I had lived in college in London
0: for oh, wow.
1: a, a, a period of time. And um, I concocted a scheme with my uh, my roommate that I lived in London with, who was uh, from the Chicago area and went to a different university because we had been on work study there. Uh-huh. Um I concocted a plot with her that we were going to move to Chicago together uh, after we graduated <laughs> from, from college. So uh, that's what we did. And uh, I lived there working as a, um, a pediatric HIV social worker oh, wow. um, for, for about a year and a half. And, um, I knew that I would need to go to grad school. And I knew that in that, in large part, you have to go to grad school where you want to practice and get licensed. Oh, Um, I
0: did not know that.
1: Yeah. So you're not, you're not generally nationally licensed. You're licensed by state as a psychotherapist. Yeah. So, um, you know, sometimes you can't really explain things. I decided that I should move to San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah um so i felt Seems drawn like a cool to the place Francisco in some way and um i i um got on a got on a plane with a, a suitcase and um a goldfish in a tupperware container full of water <laughs> that at the time you could take on a plane and um so i'm, I'm I can't definitely dating that. myself <laughs> and um got off in San Francisco and um so
0: you didn't have a job you you didn't have acceptance to a grad school no
1: it's funny when you look back I mean you know my my closest and dearest friends who lived with me in college um you know they've told me at times over the years that like you know they talked amongst themselves like (laughs) is that gonna work like what is she doing and and you know, I just never thought of it. I mean, I guess I had a, a small amount of money. What I a gift? felt capable. I don't know. I just moved. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I think, I think fear is a very interesting thing. And um, it's a very interesting place that a lot of people function from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not that I don't have fears, but I maybe didn't have fears that would that other people like i'm not afraid of things other people are afraid of like yeah um i just sort of figured that it'll work out and you know i think many people aren't really in touch with the level of privilege that they have right so you know people who have a lot of privileges whether that be economic privilege racial privilege um you know, privilege of having a family that, you know, supports them in some way or another, Mm -hmm. like, often still are afraid and don't leverage that privilege, right? So like, if I look back on it and think, well, okay, what's the worst thing that could have happened? Like, it would have gotten effed up. And then (laughs) you'd go back, I guess I would have called my parents. And if I lost all my money, and like, it was completely messed up and said, I need to come home, you know, (laughs) I never, never would have done that. Yeah. Like I probably would have lived <laughs> in a cardboard box rather than do that. But you know, that's just not um, so you know, so I uh, at the time, um, this is a very meandering path, but um at the time there was this place uh off Hate Street in the city called uh roommate referral. So this is like kind of before the internet really.
0: Oh my god. So you I'd pay, be scared to live with an axe murderer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, well, you paid this place like 25 bucks and then you just moved in with whoever needed a roommate.
0: Oh my gosh. Um
1: So, <laughs> so you know, that's what I did. And I got a job and I went to grad school. Um and I got licensed and I started on that path and mm-hmm. I worked 25 years in in nonprofit um mental health, adoption and foster care, social justice work, uh, grief and loss. Um, And I had many, many amazing opportunities. And, you know, often what happens for people when you're competent, when you're reliable, when you get the job done is you get offered opportunities to promote Mm -hmm. and you promote into higher levels of management. And at the end of my career, I was in in senior management over Mm -hmm. a fairly large Uh, trauma-based mental health program Um, and I worked for a wonderful organization and yet I was running up against um, really a lot of uh, a lot of HR management kind of staffing
0: issues. Uh Uh-huh.
1: Um, and, um, I worked very, very hard, um, to really try to problem solve, to try to, you know, create a positive working environment for people. And when you work in, in difficult trauma work, there's a lot of community violence with Mm -hmm. our clients, a lot of, uh, a lot of the impact of the intersections of racism and poverty, uh, that, you know, creates chronic stress on people and, uh, creates, marginalization and disadvantage in America for many people um I I, the people get tired and they get burned out yeah you know um people uh perhaps come in with their own unfinished business that's not processed and Mm -hmm. have their own you know personal things and they really can't handle the job Mm -hmm. um and, um, you know, and also work environments are, are changing and people's expectations of work are, are changing. And I think the business world is grappling with that. Nonprofit world is consistently uh, under-resourced and, mm-hmm. you know, struggles to really meet the needs of the clients and of the people that work for it. So um, I found around, I'd say, 2018-ish. Mm-hmm. That, um, that I really, uh, there was a, a day at work at a very difficult thing going on with a, a staff member, mm-hmm. um, probably the most difficult thing in my career. And um, I, I had what I, uh, what I think of as a panic attack, yeah. which I had never, I'm not, not inclined that way. Um, like I picked up, I, I went to a meeting it was supposed to be an all-day meeting, mm-hmm. and um, I sat down, and i I opened my computer, and I just realized, like, I I just felt I felt my heart starting to beat, and I mm. thought, like, I'm gonna start
0: crying, like, in this yeah. meeting or something. And being a psychotherapist, like, you knew that this was. Are <laughs> you kind yeah, of watching I just, yourself? Like, well,
1: yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it, and it definitely had that element, like of, I was outside myself, like watching this happen and I just shut my computer and I said, I got to go. And I literally like ran from room yeah. to my car. Um, and I, I had like really a disturbing sort of breakdown in my car. And, yeah. um, you know, I said to myself, like, you know, you have now crossed into as a clinician functional impairment. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> um, you know, and uh, so I, I just like I couldn't get out of. I don't know exactly. I'm sure that that had been building for some time. Um, yeah. But um, you know, so I hadn't been in therapy for many, many, many years, like since I was in grad school, probably. Mm-hmm. And, um, I was like, oh, you need to like, go to therapy. Yeah. Um, So so I did. And, um, and then I also, um, right at that time, well, actually I think the first thing that happened was I, you know, I didn't sleep well Mm -hmm. then because there was so much that was on my mind from work all the time that my mind couldn't settle. I was awake at night a lot. Um, And, um, you know, through undoubtedly some sort of algorithm that saw maybe what I was looking at reading or searching for on my phone while I was awake at night, Mm -hmm. um, you know, an invitation to a free online workshop, uh, popped into my Facebook feed and it was like, you know, basically spoke directly to me, you know, are you. A woman in a position of power who is completely overwhelmed, and, you know, <laughs> check, thinks you want to like blow up your whole life. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, sign up for this seminar right now. Uh huh. Um, now, you know, think about that. I had been in nonprofit all my life, so I didn't even know anything about this world of coaching or yeah. you know, online online thing. seminars or all these things, right? Yeah. So I get up at like six o'clock in the morning or something to attend this, you know, free seminar thing, which, um, which, you know, now based on some of my other ventures, I understand is, you know, basically a funnel to, to yeah. hire ticket coaching items. And, um, but I listened to this workshop and I was like, uh, oh my gosh, you know, this is like speaking exactly to me. And so I'm like, you know, taking notes and like uh, crying, (laughs) you know, and then, um, you know, the, the woman who gave the workshop, um, her name is Julie Santiago. And, um, she, uh, she, you know, I looked at her website and I'm an analyzer. So, you know, I'm like, who is this person and what is she doing and whatever. And, um, you know, so I ended up not opting into the coaching program that ultimately she wanted to do, but she wrote a book that's called "Awaken: Six Sacred Steps to Remember Who You Are and Why You're Here."
0: Interesting. Okay, I have to read um,
1: it. So I bought this book off of Amazon, and um, you know, I think what's challenging for a lot of people is actually like follow through, and yeah. people need people need coaches because they need like accountability for following through on things a lot um
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you know maybe I'm the exception rather than the rule but like if I decide I'm going to do something like I'm doing it and, and yeah. I'll just do it like you're all in <laughs> so yeah so um so I read this book and it's got you know some exercises and things and um and then, and then I was, as I was considering her coaching program, I was like, you know what? I don't actually need coaching. I actually need therapy. Yeah. Um, like this is where I'm at right now. So then mm-hmm. I, I went to therapy and then I was working with the exercises in the book and, um, and then, who um, it's hard to tell timeline wise. Um, I think that, I think in the summer of 2018, we had been on a cruise to Alaska. Okay. Um, my family and I. So I have a, a partner and a teenager. Yeah. Who was younger then, but um, so we had been on a cruise to Alaska. And like many Americans, uh, they uh, are on cruises, and the cruise ships stop in Victoria, British Columbia, which yes. is an island on Vancouver Island. Uh, or a city on Vancouver Island, which is uh, right by Seattle and west of okay. Vancouver. Uh, so people get confused a lot. Vancouver is not on Vancouver Island. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay. But Thanks but, for um, clarifying they, that. They, Victoria is on Vancouver Island, and Vancouver's on the mainland.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: um, you know, I, when we had um, stopped for the day, you know, for a very brief period of time, but I remember that my husband and I were like, oh, this is such a cute city. Like, it's yeah. a small city. It's a cap. it's the capital of British Columbia. Okay. Um, so, it, it has that feel of, that state capitals often have. Like, yeah. it's like, not the really big city, you know, Mm -hmm. so like in California, that would be, you know, San Francisco is like the city people want to go to. Sacramento is the capital and like, it's a city, but it's like not the city. Right. Um, you know, so, um, and you know, it's just, uh, so, you know, hadn't thought too much about it, but had thought, oh, this is such a cute city and stuff. So, um, but you weren't like, I want to move here. I love this place. Um, no. Okay. It just sort of got, put in, you know, put in the files of, like, a nice place that we had visited, okay, (laughs) um, and so then, uh, you know, so then we go into, like, 2019, I guess, and, um, I picked up Uh, I'm like, you know, in this really difficult place, I'm going to therapy. Um, For for me, politics in the United States are quite escalated, feeling really uncomfortable with the way that things are uh, happening in the United States. Um, It is also impacting the difficulty of work because, you know, poor people are always the most impacted by Mm -hmm. crap. Yeah. um and have the least resources to you know to be able to overcome what is dumped on them um so and you know then people's people's awareness of of um I mean I suppose this depends on how you're positioned but people's awareness of racism in America is mm-hmm. escalating um you know people's hyper arousal in a very diverse workforce where I worked is um you know is just people are struggling a lot mm-hmm. um and um and then the bay area over the years i've lived here i lived here 25 years um it's, you know, become more and more crowded and income and equity has become greater and greater as Silicon mm-hmm. Valley has built out into, you know, people who are very young and have, you know, millions of dollars already. Yeah. And then people who have been pushed out of housing and there are very, very large uh, homeless encampments, hundreds of tents mm-hmm. in urban areas and, um, you know, and that's, you know, a block from million, two million, five million dollar houses. Wow. Um, so, uh, and you know, traffic here is like super bad. I, I, I mm-hmm. was driving, you know, at one point to uh, an office three and a half miles away from my house, and sometimes it could take me 30 minutes to get there. Wow. That's um, crazy. So, you know, maybe I was just getting older too, Um, but all the things that, you know, I loved, loved the Bay Area for many years. I never thought I would live anywhere else for many, many Mm -hmm. years. Um, But sometimes the, you know, just like the sparkle of things, like feels like it's worn off. Mm -hmm. And um, I certainly didn't feel that we would live anywhere else in the United States um, or be aligned with anywhere else.
0: Um, and was so your work becoming, I, sorry to interrupt, was your work becoming yeah. less enjoyable and were you finding kind of a sense of dis-ease?
1: Yeah. So I, as I, as I increased, as I advanced into management and really looked at things from more systemic places, like I had pivoted, um, in the last two years as well to sort of try to mitigate, um, my dying hope, I guess, mm-hmm. um, by uh, doing some lobbying at federal and state level, by engaging in some more systems change kind mm-hmm. of work, um, you know, working to represent my agency in in systems change kinds of things. Um, and um, because because you're fighting, you know, you're you're working downstream, but if mm-hmm. the upstream is constantly creating policies and systems that push some people down and lift other people up, mm-hmm. like all you're doing is, you know, you're sticking a finger in a, you know, like, like in a Hoover dike dam. that is as mm-hmm. a zillion holes, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, I think that and, is. And, you know, I yeah, go ahead. That is a sign. Um, when I was at a job and just miserable, the first thing I found myself doing was how can I fix it? How can I, you know, is there anything I can do, implement any changes that would make this a better place to work? And then I guess, did you reach the point where you were like, can't do it? It's, (laughs) I cannot fix this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then, um, you know, what I realized is that I had become, I had become, um, I felt like the box I was in got smaller and smaller. Mm. Um, and, you know, what I said in therapy is like, I eventually I felt like I'm in a teeny tiny box of a room and there's no doors and no windows and I'm screaming and I can't get out.
0: Yeah, that's such a great description. I think so many people feel um, that way and they just don't know where to go.
1: Yeah. And, um, you know, what's hard is that when you're the most compromised is when you need to like find the extra energy within you to do something. Otherwise you don't do anything. Mm, Um, so, you know, so I think that's, that's the struggle. And I think, you know, I got enough footing through going to therapy, working on the exercises in that book to like get enough reserve that, I knew like I had to do something and the something I was going to do was going to be big. Mm -hmm. Um, And part of it had to do with that as a person who is driven by making positive impact in the world, I just didn't feel like I was making impact anymore. Yeah. And so if you're not making impact, and you're doing like a really hard job and it's doing nothing, and that's mm-hmm. how you feel, then what the hell are you doing it for?
0: Right, and you're out of alignment, um, which carries yeah. over into your physical health. And like you said, not sleeping and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, um,
1: so then I think, uh, I, I do these uh, organizational surveys as a side job. And I saw that there was a, a survey offered in Victoria So I was like, let me go back there Mm because remember how cute it was when you went on a cruise? So um, at that point, obviously the idea had already been planted as a seed because I took a because I I went an extra day and I walked around looking at like neighborhoods and houses and I took a picture of myself in front of a real estate sign that said, your home is here. (laughs)
0: Oh, wow. Yes. (laughs) What did your partner say about all this? <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: well, you know, I think, um, I have a, a lovely husband who I think in some ways is he's much less of an analyzer than me and, okay. um, you know, is very much about like, be happy.
0: Uh uh-huh.
1: Um, so it was really me that was keeping me in place. Like several times he was like, well, if you're that unhappy, you should just quit. And yes. I'm like, but we live a life that's like on, you know, we have a salary that supports our life here right. like this and this and this. And like, that's nice to say, but <laughs> I know <laughs> um,
0: you do feel trapped.
1: So yeah, I definitely felt very, very trapped. Um, and, you know, there are those people who just, um, who just leap. And I'm not that person. I'm a very calculated risk taker. Yeah. Um, so, you know, so I created a plan to extricate myself from being trapped. Okay. Um, and I did that gradually. And basically I decided like, I don't want to live where I live anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work at what I do anymore. I don't want my child raised here anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't want to live in this country anymore.
0: Yeah. So you knew like, what you didn't
1: want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's interesting because um, I was listening to um, to an interview with um, someone, and she said, "Pain pushes until vision pulls." I think. Uh huh.
0: That makes sense. And I thought,
1: oh, that's so interesting, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's what you just said, right? Like I knew what I didn't want, but I didn't know what I wanted yet. Yeah. But I knew that I had to like get away from what I didn't want.
0: Yeah. But clearly, Um, something spoke to you in British Columbia because you took your picture in front of that house. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well.
1: um, Well, I think what it was is that. that Victoria sort of has all of the things that the Bay Area had uh-huh. that we loved like so it's got like every kind of restaurant, and it's got like water you know great outdoors it's got water all around it it's got you know water sports and stuff and um it's beautiful um but you know it doesn't have like 50 of every kind of restaurant and yeah. you know like a when I when I went for that um when I went for that work thing, it's like, you know, a traffic jam in Victoria will, like, it'll show red on your GPS when there's like yes. two cars at a red light. <laughs> like downtown. Yeah. <laughs> You know, and I mean, it seems very trivial to like focus on something like, oh, I moved to another country because of traffic, right? Like that's not obviously the entirety of the story, Yeah. but there are things in your day to day life that when you're unhappy, eventually you're just like, I cannot stand it anymore. Yeah. Like I cannot stand one single thing anymore. And it's this, it's this thing or it's this thing or whatever, Mm um, And, um, you know, and then from a work perspective, I was just like, okay, I, everyone I know is in this sector. Mm -hmm. I have spent my whole life in this sector. We've got really smart, hardworking people trying to make, you know, the machine go Mm -hmm. every day. And yet when I pose the questions of like, how we're going to fix this, no one has the answers. Mm -hmm. And I'm, like, so I'm like, I have to get out of sort of like, I have to get out of, uh, out of that tiny box, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have to find out are the challenges here, like, am I seeing it wrong? Is there something I'm missing? Is Are some of the challenges we're experiencing, challenges that are happening in other sectors? Mm -hmm. Like, do other people who have other experience have information
0: and knowledge that could help me solve these problems? Mm -hmm. Um, I like how you did the work. You weren't just taking a leap and saying, I hate it here. I'm going to move to another country. You really did a calculated mm -hmm. appraisal of what was going on and what could possibly change and what's your role in that. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, so then um, I decided that I wanted, well, a couple things happen at the same time. So I, so if you're going to move to another country, you have to start researching, like, can you move to another country? That's Does another country want you? That's true. So, you know, many people may assume that as an American, you can do whatever you want, but that is not actually true. <laughs> and nor is it true that Canada is the 51st state, which I have had people <laughs> Um, So, you know, uh, Canada is um, not that motivated to (laughs) absorb older America, particularly older Americans, um, because we do have... Uh, well, so I was 48 when I okay. moved and my husband is in his fifties. Okay. Um, so that might not seem older. Um, but from an immigration standpoint, uh, for a country that has a lot of, uh, public social safety nets and has ah, uh, public health has, you know, free sense. healthcare for everyone, um, that comes from working, right. Mm-hmm. And paying taxes on working. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, so, you know, I think Canada perhaps learned over time that um, we we briefly spoke to an immigration attorney and she said, yeah, you know, they're changing all the time because I think what happened is perhaps they led a bunch of Americans in who were in their 50s who said, oh, I'm definitely going to still work for another 10 years. And then they got there and promptly said, mm, actually, maybe I'll just retire. <laughs> um you know, and so that just doesn't, that doesn't support the public systems that yeah. support us all and um, make, in my opinion, life better for people in Canada, yeah. different than the United States. So, um, so I looked at, you know, all of the different, um, different immigration paths, did a lot, a lot of research, and then sometime during that time as well, uh, decided that I would like to and would benefit from maybe going back to school.
0: Okay. So
1: um, I, you know, had gone to grad school in my late 20s, and mm-hmm. um, I decided that you know part of the lack of sustainability in nonprofit is that it's just not actually fiscally sustainable. Yeah. So you know, it's supported by government funding by donations that are insufficient and are not guaranteed and um you know so if you look at it from a business perspective like it's not a business it's not it's not financially sustainable Mm -hmm. um on its own right it's dependent on other sources and that makes it vulnerable all the time and under resourced all the time
0: so then you thought Um, i can get a degree did you go back and get a business degree
1: so yeah so uh the university of victoria uh the program i'm in is uh an mba program focusing on sustainable innovation oh wow perfect so so, yeah so again in um you know in a beautiful forward thinking way the university of victoria decided a few years ago that they did not want to create MBAs that were entirely profit driven anymore. Yeah. Um, and that they only wanted to have an MBA program that would support uh, people who were interested in the balance of uh, in business. They call it the triple bottom line. So planet, people and profit.
0: Wow. And
1: um, And they, yeah, and they take a a diverse, you know, they look for building a diverse cohort that is invested in that. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, unlike many of the people who have a business or engineering background who, you know, they're, they're, they've been rooted in profit and are moving towards expanding their Mm -hmm. ideas to, you know, to planet and people. I've been entirely rooted in people. Yeah. (laughs) and sometimes in planet and have, and, you know, had to move into profit more. <laughs>
0: yeah. So somewhere so, along uh, the way, were you thinking, okay, if this lines up, if I get into school and if we get approved, you know, with all the paperwork to move here, then that'll be, that'll be like a sign.
1: Um, you know, I never thought it wouldn't work. I have to say <laughs> again, that <opposite>. <laughs> So, you know, so that's, again, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't want people to be dissuaded because they have fear of something, but yeah. I will say that the, the universe aligns
0: mm-hmm. with
1: you in interesting ways when, you know, you're on the right path. And I'm, I'm always cautious to sort of entirely invest in saying things like that, because as a person who has worked with, you know, many people who struggle all their lives and who, you know, do all the things right, but never get any payoff. I know that it's dangerous sort of to, to have this like woo-woo kind of, you know, idea that like, if you're on the right path, everything will come together for you. Cause you know, some people work very hard their whole lives and struggle and nothing ever comes together for them. Um, So, you know, I don't want to discount that or be disrespectful to that but um you know I also did experience that um like I'll give you an example we uh we initially thought so we got we got a I got into the program I got approved for study permit which is what initially got us into Canada mm-hmm. um my husband as a, a spouse of a student is was entitled to a work permit
0: oh, um
1: cool so uh so he actually got offered a job a couple weeks before we ever crossed the border um, which uh people in many cases feel like is is also quite unheard of that um uh, victoria is somewhat of a small town so you know there's a lot of things that are are person-to-person networking kinds of things but he's a tech guy so maybe you know tech has more opportunity that's international but um so he had a job before we, uh, before we crossed the border
0: mm-hmm.
1: and um, we had been told that, you know, the housing market is, um, is very, very tight in Victoria historically. And we had been told that, um, that we would need to be in Victoria in order to answer ads and, you know, go oh. see houses like as soon, yeah. as soon as somebody responded.
0: And when did um, and,
1: uh, we moved in. Uh, We crossed the border on Canada Day, which is July 1st in um, 2020.
0: Oh, so during during the height, or I guess that things were calming down a little, but... (laughs)
1: Well, so, you know, that's interesting because, because also this kind of like, do things get behind you? is all in the way you look at it because the pandemic also happened and one could say like, oh, well, you know, the pandemic definitely didn't get behind me because the border got shut.
0: Mm. We didn't
1: know if we were going to be allowed in. Yeah. Um, we had uh, moved out of our house on March 1st oh. in order to have it prepared for sale. So we were in like a little, sublet that we were supposed to be in from March to June Mm -hmm. and basically then in San Francisco in the Bay Area we went into lockdown like March 16th or something so basically we spent that time where we had like a big house and a yard and everything instead we were in like a little teeny apartment wow um with our with our 14 year old at the time and Uh. you know we had one tiny table. And I was working on one side of the table and, you know, two feet of space. And he was attending school on the other side of the table and two feet oh of gosh. space. And my husband was working in the living room in two feet of space. But um, somehow it just all was still wonderful. And um, so, you know, we had Airbnbs booked initially, uh, because we thought we would Uh, Need to live in temporary housing Mm -hmm. while we're looking for housing, and um, Canada has a 20% foreign buyer tax, so we also could not buy a house in Canada until you're a permanent resident or um, or citizen. So, um, you know, so we were prepared, but I still was looking on like Craigslist and whatever, and then we had built this tiny network of people because as you start saying, like, so as we started saying we're moving to Victoria, Uh I would as you tell everyone, then what happens is people say, oh, you know, some friend of a friend lives in Victoria or this old friend of mine lives in Victoria, or, you know, I know someone from college who lives in Victoria. And in every case I would say, oh, well, hook me up, you know? Yeah, And, um, so then we had a tiny network of people, and um, in fact, one of those people hooked us up with someone, and we got our house. So wow. before we ever crossed the border, we had signed a lease. So when we showed up at the closed border, we had uh, a lease, and we were um, we were able to go. You have to you have to quarantine for two weeks mm-hmm. when you arrive. So we were able to go straight to our house and quarantine. And oh, wow. Um, Yeah, so it it does all come together. Um, And so I'm just like in this wonderful, amazing place where I have this diverse cohort, I'm learning all these new and amazing things Mm -hmm. in school. And I just feel completely excited, again, about the future. And I feel like I have watched a lot of transformation in myself.
0: Yeah. And
1: um, I just feel like joyful and happy and Like there's just so many possibilities ahead and, you know, whenever I feel like I'm being kind of pulled maybe, you know, by fear or insecurity or whatever back to, back to the old thing like work wise, Mm. because obviously, you know, having been there so long, I have contacts and people want me to do things still and
0: Mm -hmm. whatever,
1: you know, I, I still, or I'll see jobs that are in my old sector Yeah, that I'm like, Oh, I'm totally qualified for that. Um, but I, I just, am like, but what makes you excited? Yeah. You know, And again, I have so much privilege to be able to, to, to have that space and to Mm. have a supportive spouse and to whatever. But um, I just have been so tremendously blessed and it's so beautiful in Victoria. My son uh, started high school and he went into grade nine when we arrived. Um, And um, in the Bay Area, they never went back to school almost that whole year. So, you know, he, he didn't have to he didn't have to be at home sitting on the computer. Mm-hmm. He walks through a, you know, beautiful little creek area to get to high school. Oh, and, wow, did um, that it's make just it totally all the things they wanted?
0: Did it make it easier to convince him to move because of the shutdown and he's doing virtual school? And no, um, I mean he was
1: beautifully when we first started saying that we might move there he was beautifully aligned with that he was like yeah we totally should move um you know and there were some bumps in the road certainly at the point that we actually were moving Mm -hmm. um and you know we had to support him emotionally in the places where it was hard for him and where he faltered and was like you know I'm leaving my friends and um but you know again there was a it was an opportunity in his life where he was changing schools anyway and yeah, um, cause he was going into high school. And so, you know, all of those things just made it possible. And, yeah. um, and I wanted to, you know, wanted to ensure that we could stay in Canada, you know, legally at least as long as he could complete high school. It opens up yeah uh, all the opportunities for him to go to college in Canada, which oh, is wow. much, 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 much better. And in the United States, um, and you know, becoming dual citizens is ultimately our goal, and that provides a lot of just different opportunities for for my son's future and for our future. and um, you know, if it didn't work, like so what? That's
0: amazing. I mean, <laughs> all right, I'm gonna go downstairs and convince my husband. <laughs> we getting on the websites, and I also wanted to say that you do. You're now you have a whole um, platform. You're a move abroad coach and consultant, right? Yeah. So with a background as a as a therapist, um,
1: you know, I did I did get more interested in um, you know how I might convert that experience to something that can be used to support people online um, mm-hmm. in these times. As I said, I became more familiar with coaching and. Um, And I realized that, you know, like you said, there are many people who have dreams to move abroad, but they don't know how to organize their thoughts, they don't know how to choose a country, they don't, um, they feel like it's overwhelming, or like, how are they going to do this, or, you know, they... um, they just let fear or frustration or whatever it is get in the way and, Mm -hmm. um, and don't end up, you know, being able to get to that best life. And I think probably the most tragic thing in the world is to get to the end of your life and think I always wanted to do something and I never did it. Oh yeah. You know, and that just seems so tragic to me. And, um, so, so yeah, so I've been, um, supporting other people through a group and individual work to, to make that, uh, that life abroad dream come true for them. And it's been really a fun experience and, um, you know, and, uh, allowed me to support others in an, in a new and different way.
0: That is so cool. So next you'll have a book maybe, <laughs> Maybe. I
1: definitely always have felt like there are books in me. Yeah. So I don't know. Right now I'm writing a book on, uh, on something for school. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> well, and Melanie, when so. you think, when you think back to the, you who was at that meeting and having the panic attack and sitting in your car and just sort of falling apart, if you could go back and give her some advice, what would you tell her?
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess what I would say to my younger self is that um, like, probably the strongest value in me is loyalty. Mm-hmm. And I think I have been loyal to some things for longer than I should have. Yes. Um, so in the desire to figure out things and like fix um, I stayed at things probably longer than I should have at times. Mm-hmm. And so you know, that's the advice I would give to myself that you know, that it's okay to move forward and move on to something else, that it's okay to sometimes put yourself first instead of everybody else and everybody mm-hmm. else's needs, particularly in in my line of work, you know, there was, certainly guilt that I had to process about that, you know, the people that we served, they can't just leave their lives and move to another country and say, F it, you know, like they're Mm -hmm. still there struggling. And also I was not adding value anymore. And like we would always say, and you know, in mental health, like on the airplane, you know, you have to put your oxygen mask Mm -hmm. on first before you can help other people. And, um, So I just needed, I needed more oxygen
0: and, um,
1: and, and I feel like it's interesting. I hadn't, you know, really thought of that before, but I just, I feel like that's my life now. Like, I feel like I can breathe and like, Uh I'm happy and, you know, I've just got all these amazing opportunities ahead and I just, I know whatever I'm not you know, I'm not fully baked yet. I don't know fully where I will end up next, like in terms of work. Um, but, um, but I'm able to assess like, oh, do I feel joyful about that when I think about it?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Whereas, you know, when you are really trapped, like you no longer can even assess that you're just so stuck that you are just like, it's like blindness, darkness Mm -hmm. has closed around.
0: It is. My husband calls so it being in the pit. Uh, yes. Yep, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But your face now has just, as you've been talking about the move and being in this new program, and your face is like so lit up, I can tell how happy you are. You have oxygen.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, whatever it takes for people to just like dig deep in those moments where it feels like there's just nothing there. Yeah. Like do something because I can't imagine. It's, it's like, I don't even know who that person
0: was. Mm -hmm. It's, it's fascinating. It is. I bet from a psychotherapist point of view, you're like (laughs) (laughs) analyzing yourself, your past self.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So
0: that's yeah. So funny. good stuff. Yeah. Well, tell our listeners where they can find you.
1: Oh, um, so, uh, so my, uh, my life abroad coaching business is, um, life And, uh, if you have a dream of moving to another country um, as, <laughs> as part of what you want to do different, um, you can certainly check that out. Um, I do, uh, I do, I send all kinds of information to, uh, to my folks through email. I offer free workshops. I, you know, also do uh, group programs and individual coaching and um, just support people to, to get to where they wanna go to. And, um, you know, that's a part of some people's big change.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, if it is a part of it, then I wanna help them to make that happen.
0: Oh, this is so cool. I have enjoyed this so much. Thank you for letting me interview you.
1: <laughs> sure. It was lovely to talk to you. And um, I wish you good luck with your amazing podcast, supporting other people to get what they want. Thanks.
0: Y'all, that was so good. I love talking to Melanie. I love when people do things that are terrifying and they do them anyway. And moving to another country would be super scary but exciting. All right, so here are our take-home points. Number one, pay attention to your discontent. Your discontent might be a guidepost telling you it's time to change directions. If something that once sparkled, like your job or a city where you live, no longer sparkles, then you need to take note. Number two, when your current life isn't going well, you first need to investigate whether or not you might be part of the problem ask yourself if the thing keeping you stuck is you and once you've done the work and you do have to do the work to figure out if there's something you can change to improve things then you can move forward with changing the external things like your job or your city or whatever number three often when we feel the most trapped in our circumstances we have no energy to make changes nor can we see any options in front of us When you are totally depleted, it's important to find the tiniest footing so that you can build up a reserve of energy so that you can make incremental changes. For Melanie, the thing that helped her get her footing was seeing a therapist. Number four, be a calculated risk taker like Melanie. Create a plan. And if you have a lot of privileges, like most of us listening to this most of us listening to this podcast do, like economic, racial, you have supportive family members. Um, Ask yourself what's the worst thing that'll happen and leverage those resources. Number five, sometimes if you don't know what you want, it's easier to write down what you don't want. Like, I don't want to live here. I don't want to raise my child here. I don't want to be at this job, rather than what you do want. Melanie says, um, she quoted, Pain pushes until vision pulls. So, knowing what you don't want may have to come before knowing what you do want. And that's all for today. Go to the website, hopethepa.com. That's going to be changing soon, but for now, that still is the website, and you can s- send me a message. Thanks for joining me on today's podcast. If you like this podcast and think someone else could benefit, please share it. I'd also love for you to write a review on your favorite podcast platform like Spotify or Apple. And lastly, if you would like more of the same, come over to my website, HopeThePA.com. Thank you all for listening.